hello, hello out there. My good people, my people, my fellow Canadians. Welcome to a special Remembrance Day episode. They're all special. Remembrance Day episode of Game Over, the premier video game show hosted by two brothers and a third guy, except the third guy isn't here today. Only live on 101.5 UMFM and UMFM.com, found in podcast form on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts, not called Spotify. I'm your hostess with the French toastest, Simon Pazder, in studio with my faithful squad mate, Adam Pazder. How are you doing? I'm okay. Well, apart from the fact that I'm very cold still. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we are not joined by Matt. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt is a musician in the military, and he plays the trumpet, which means Remembrance Day is like his Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> he is the most valuable man in the city right now, and he is covered in bubble wrap, being protected as he is transported from gig to gig to play. What are we... Is it the Americans that do taps and we do Reveille or something like that? I know we do oh, something man. slightly different I than what they remember. do. This is embarrassing. We should have asked Matt last week. Yeah, we probably should have, but we didn't. We were too busy. We were too caught up with uh, all the other stuff going on last week. But this week we do have a full hour to catch up on everything we didn't talk about last week, including the most recent up downs, up downs, updates on the Pokemon meltdown. Um, and of course we're going to probably spend a lot of a good chunk of time talking about. Outer Worlds, now that you've yes. finished it, yes. I don't know how much more time I've put into it in the past week. Not too much. But I feel like I'm far enough in, probably like 10 hours, that I, I am comfortable talking about the game in the, as a whole. Okay. That's more or less where I'm at with that. But you know what? Let's start off with probably the biggest piece of news, um, as it continues to be the biggest piece of news, Sword and Shield. So if you thought that Sword and Shield might be... Looking up, prepare to be disappointed, <laughs> because yeah. uh, as of today, uh, data miners have actually gotten a hold of the game, so they're data mining it to find out whatever is in there. So, you know, before then, we just had people who were playing the game, and they were reporting to us yeah. uh, what they played. Apparently, there was also, I haven't actually seen it, um, but apparently there was also a stream. Like, someone was oh. streaming the game for, like, multiple hours. I saw what? a lot of people were talking about how they had seen the uh, the stream of the game. So... Uh, that's going on. Um, there was a whole th- hashtag thank you Game Freak that Game Freak responded to like almost immediately apparently. You know, um, it, it seems to be this big internet battle between the people who are against the game and the people who are for the game. Um, so it seems like we've almost begun a poke civil war here. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> It's tough to tell because I, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there are a couple of things. Like, I showed you a moment ago, I showed you a GIF um, of some of the animations in the game, and they're not great. There, you could find pictures of, if you even just Google it or look on the Reddit page, you can find pictures of the wild area. Yeah. And someone I saw posted a picture of a tree from the wild area from Pokemon Sword and Shield 2019 next to a tree in the background of Wii Sports yeah. <laughs> from 2006, or yeah, 2006, yeah, I think. Uh, and they're almost identical. Like oh it's goodness. it's sad that uh, that they've really made no effort whatsoever. But here's something that might surprise you. I did save up a little bit of news. First of all, apparently the streamer got to the end of the Pokemon League in under 20 hours. Um, but we'll see if the streamer didn't just rush it. Yeah. But what I have for you is a list of snapped. Ready for this? Moves. Yeah, some moves aren't coming back. What? Good luck explaining that one. And. It's it's weird, man. So at the bottom of this list, I'm going to go through this entire list, even though it's long, um, because the further down you go, the crazier it gets. So on this list, you have 
every Z move or Z move. Yeah, obviously. And all the special moves that Pikachu and Eevee could learn in Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Okay, all right. With you so far. Yeah. Okay, now going. This isn't an alphabetical order, but it is numerical for some reason. I don't know how they do that. They're not a move dex, right? Not like move number one is tackle? I don't believe it's numbered, no. Yeah, okay, well, whatever. This person numbered them. Karate Chop, gone. Double Slap, gone. Comet Punch, (laughs) Razor Wind, Jump Kick, Rolling Kick, Twin Needle. Twin Needle? Twin Needle. They just buffed that. Sonic Boom, Dragon Rage, Okay. gone. Meditate, Rage, Barrier, Bide. The very first TM you get in, the, in yeah. the entire series, Bide, gone. Mirror Move, gone. Egg Bomb, Bone Club, Clamp, Spike Cannon, Constrict, Kinesis, Barrier, Bubble. I guess it goes straight to Bubble Beam now. Yeah. Dizzy Punch, Flash, Psy Wave. I like Psy Wave. Yeah, was a neat Sharpen, Spider Web, Nightmare, Foresight, Faint Attack. Return. What? Frustration. Magnitude. Pursuit. Whole. Hidden power. Oh my. Smelling salts. Assist. Refresh. Snatch. Snatch. Secret power. Camouflage. Mud spot. Ice ball. Needle arm. Odor sleuth. Silver wind. Grass whistle. Signal beam. Sky uppercut. Water Sport, Miracle Eye, Wake Up Slap, Natural Gift, Embargo, Trump Card, Heal Block, Ring Out, Lucky Chant. This is a long list, is it not? Uh, Lucky Chant, Me First, Punishment, Mud Bomb, Mirror Shot, Rock Climb, Magnet Bomb, Captivate, Heal Order. That one's especially weird because Vespaquin is in the game. But they they took took out Heal heal order. Order. Who knows why? Ominous Wind. Telekinesis, Flame Burst, like that move, Synchronize, Chip Away, Sky Drop, Bestow, Heart Stamp, Steam Roller, Rototiller, Ion Deluge. Wow. I'm glad that I didn't reveal that beforehand because I need you to sit in awe of what just happened. So that was all the moves that let you hit stuff you're not supposed to. Yep. All... Almost all or all of the two-turn charge-up moves. Uh, yeah, I don't think I saw... What's the head-butt one? I'm, oh, yeah. I... Uh, it's not head smash. It's... Uh... Sky attack is, is still in the game, oh, too. So attack. solar beam. Okay. So, so there are, not, I mean... It's not all of them. Just a few of them. Razor wind is one of the ones that you Yeah, razor wind's gone. Um, skull bash. Skull bash, that's it. Well, what else did I notice in there? I mean, return and hidden power are huge are two of the biggest ones that those, those are might be the two biggest ones return frustration hidden power but there's a lot of other stuff that's in there like spider web is gone yeah or my i think it's sticky web yeah i'm thinking sticky, sticky web, web but yeah, still um faint attack nightmare pursuit pursuit yeah yeah the, there's the, a lot the meta of game has changed significantly yeah like you've just you've crippled normal types yeah and like and to a point, like, it's a long list, but if I'm in Game Freak's position, I kind of get it in the sense that it's like we have all these moves. We don't need all of these moves. Let's, let's clean this list up a bit. There are, there are some 
So to a point, I can understand it. Like a lot of the ones are fluff that just you you get them and then you immediately replace them. It's like, why are we even bothering? That's exactly it. I will say too, before you continue, I agree with like almost 60% of this list. Yeah. I would say. And then I kind of like the absence of return and frustration. I just hope they replace them. Like, because... There's a, the reason return and frustration were staples in the metagame is not because they were good. It's because normal types had nothing mm-hmm. in terms of physical attacks. Um, so if they if they put in like you know an ice beam but normal and physical, yeah, then then that's fine. Um, or be, be buffed up headbutt. Yeah, they, something like that. Yeah. Uh, then then that's fine. Then that I'm not bothered by that. Uh, I noticed you said Silverwind. Yes. Is that the only Omni boost on the list? No, uh, Ominous Wind. Ominous Wind is, and to. what's the other one? Uh, but Ancient Rock is not. Ancient Power, yeah. Ancient Power Ancient is Power is, So Ancient Power is still in the game, but the others are gone. That's weird to me. Yeah. A lot of it's um, just just strange. Like, some things make plenty of sense, okay? So Silverwind makes plenty of sense, um, and then a lot of the things are just moves that were either extremely... Coincident, not coincidental. It's extremely situational, yeah. or like one per, one specific person. But there's a fair amount of like Pokemon specific moves in here, like Heal Block that we were talking about. Um, heal Order, Heal Order. That's the one. Yeah. So and Heal Block's in there too. Yeah. So that's what I'm staring at. But there's just a lot of stuff that like you want to take out Rock Climb, you want to take out Clamp, you want to take out Kinesis Constrict. Sure, right? I can understand all those, but yeah. some of them I I just don't get and even something as simple as like to me a dragon rage is a staple it's just like this dragon move it always does 40 it's nice and little yeah they dropped sonic boom too yeah sonic boom's gone it, and even some of the more they had some creative things in here like wake up slap i thought was pretty interesting yeah it's an interesting move but because uh... it's just unique right so it's yeah. not that they were getting rid of all the things that were weak and no one used them they also got rid of a few things that had unique moves flame burst yeah, I like that. Yeah, Flame Burst is a solid attack. It, you know, I like the novelty of Skydrop. I secretly, I had a fascination, or a, rather a fantasy, I never actually pulled it off, and apparently I never will, of building a team around the ability to use Skydrop. Yeah. Um, never was able to it's do it. It's a neat, yeah, it's a neat thing. And I like, I like the more gimmicky moves that are viable. You know, it's like you have to, you have to put some work in to make this work, but when it does, it's really cool. And uh, yeah, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that one's gone. A uh, twin needle that baffles me because they just made that good. They made that good so Mega Beedrill will be viable, and now it's gone. Yep. <sighs> like, uh, like I don't get that decision at all. And I guess like okay, we did we need bubble when we have bubble beam and water gun? Maybe not. Um, but it's like it's so strange to hear this. You know, this is the first water type most water move water most water types learn. Yeah. So now you're just everyone's gonna have to learn water gun. Yeah, I'm not. A lot uh, again. A lot of this stuff makes sense for. You know, they cut it because they didn't want to do the animations. But I heard some people comment, and I agree with them. Like I saw another side by side of sword and shield battle footage that we've seen. In, and by the way, in the last week, I think they've released two trailers, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But sword and shield uh, battle footage next to uh, Pokemon Battle Revolution battle footage. I think that came yeah. out in like 2012. Around there, something like that. We all know Wii, not even the Wii U, so it might even be earlier than 2012. But yeah, like Pokemon Battle Revolution, if the Pokemon attacked and it was a physical contact move, yeah. they tended to actually like run up, and you could see them actually. Yeah, there was punch. kind of a hit going on. Yeah, there. it wasn't like the most detailed, but, but it, it was, was something. It was something. 
Um, and then, there's, of course, there's been just with everything being leaked, someone posted a picture of Waylord. Yeah. And it's barely bigger than the person. And then oh. someone posted another picture of, I think it was a Tyranitar fighting something and in the wild area. And honestly, they look like dolls. <laughs> like the, It seems like the wild area was a great idea, but it doesn't look like they actually did anything with it. nailed the scale. And people are complaining that it's... it's I mean, we're going to... To be clear, we're buying the game, right? So we both yeah. have... We have a dual pre-order. We only have one Switch, but we have two pre-orders. Whoops. Yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to play the game, and I, God, I hope it's enjoyable in some respects, right? But we're yeah. going to play the game because we need to be able to talk about it. But this is clearly a missed opportunity. The jump... This is a potentially um, 3DS game on the Switch, right? So yeah. when other things made the jump, not that they weren't already on home consoles, but when... Mario and Zelda made the jump to the Switch. It was, hey, this is a console experience that you can now play on the go. Yeah. Whereas this seems more like it's a handheld experience you that can you can now play on the TV. That you now have the the joy of playing on the TV. But I yeah. think it's still priced full price. I think it's still oh, like dear. a full eighty dollar experience. I'm pretty sure. So <sighs> it's a big problem. Yeah. It's a it's a big problem. And then okay, so Nintendo released two trailers. The one that came out today, like a few hours ago. I think it was called a recap, and it was just basically a, like a last hype up. I don't think they released any new information, like a last hype up trailer. Uh, you know, it was fine. Didn't reveal anything new. Didn't try to move the needle. But they left the comments on what I thought was a little bit of a bold move. Oh, dear. Uh, and then earlier this week, slash last week, they had another trailer where they were talking about all the items that you can use so you can change your Pokemon's nature. Yep. Um, bottle caps are returning. You can sort of change your Pokemon's nature. Yeah, sort of. Um, there's a there's a way to do it functionally. Yeah. And then there's bottle caps, so you can do like the standard. Uh, you can change your IVs too, in addition to changing EVs. So there are ways to manipulate it. That's clearly what they were talking about. Yeah. When the I think it was Awada who said, you know, you'll know it when you see it. You can be able to make your Pokemon that you're playing with viable. That's what they're talking about. I yeah. don't know if it's going to be enough. And I'll be interested to see if this even puts a dent. I hope it kind of does, to be honest. I hope it that enough people out there are are performing some sort of boycott. But we'll see. You know, I think that it, like for people like you, right, Matt and I, we already have it. We already have a Switch. But for people like you, if this game was an absolute all-star, correct me if I'm wrong, but you might be going out and buying a Switch this week, right? Yeah. If this game was, like, so good that you couldn't bear to share it. Yeah, then I'd be going out and getting my own Switch. Yeah, but I was, I was already thinking about that, and then you hear stuff like this, and it just and I you saw I saw that image which we have to talk about, and just I went, oh no, <gasps> the animation. Yeah, you mean the GIF? Oh, good lord. Yeah, I mean people have already compared the animations with 3DS animations. It looks like the models don't look significantly better than they did on the 3DS. To be honest, either the human model or the Pokemon model, maybe a a touch sharpened, but not significantly. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that animation of, I think it was Zetsian turning around and running away was, was sad. Yeah. It almost looked like it belonged on N64 or something like that. Okay, so let's talk about, I mean, we have next week we'll have, we'll have first impressions of it, so it's kind of like the final week, but this seems to be almost Hindenburging at the uh, at the finish line here. As far as a lot of the community is concerned, when I, we did, when our poll ended, we did have uh, someone vote to keep it with Game Freak. Um, so if you're the person who voted, I'd love for you to message us and tell us why. Because, again, this is not me being facetious. I honestly want to know. I would love to hear from someone who's looking at all we've seen 
and is saying, no, I like what I'm seeing. Keep it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around that mindset. Right oh, I, I, I think, and again, not to put words in that person's mouth, whoever they are, but if I was going to argue that side of it, my argument would probably be that, yes, Game Freak has has stagnated the series somewhat, but also uh, there is not a huge precedent for uh, games being given to different developers and then good things happening. Like, it has happened, but it doesn't happen very much. Right. So that's why in this case we were saying, I mean, it's all caught up. I don't know the exact corporate ladder between Nintendo and the Pokemon company and Game Freak, but the question would be, is it possible for Nintendo to take it back from Game Freak? You know, still published, slashed, you know, supported by the Pokemon Company, um, but for Nintendo to make their own in-house studio out of even former Game Freak employees. Like, apparently there's there was some, like, interview that came out that morale in Game Freak was at an all-time low. Who knows? It's interesting to see. Yeah. There's a lot of... A lot of fandoms have had a meltdown this year. Really, it's just Star Wars to go. So we'll yeah. see. Right, we'll see what happens with... Uh, the rise of Skywalker, but it's funny to see that. Well, I mean, Star Wars people melt down over everything. Right. But, I mean, you weren't really a part of it, but the Game of Thrones fandom kind of caved in on itself. I I, ver- I have to tell you, as someone who doesn't watch Game of Thrones, that was the funniest freaking thing to watch on the internet. Oh, my goodness. I do want to say, since we're, there's no TV talkers this week, so this is the, you know, the... The tidbit of, the TV, of TV news. Segment. There's no TV. Yeah, this is <laughs> is just that David and Dan gave an interview, I think earlier this month, if not like late October, where they were basically like, yeah, we really didn't know what we were doing. You know, we wrote the pilot and they let us do another pilot. And uh, we're not experienced writers. So, you know, we had the actors come up with a lot of the stuff. And it just like everyone knew that they blew the final season, right? Yeah. You can find these fantastic compilations of the actors saying that they hated the final season or, you know, looking like deadpan into the camera. Dave and Dan are the two best writers, you know. Yeah. You can find pictures of or uh, videos of, I'm blanking on his name, um, Tyrion Lannister's actor. Oh, uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. You can find uh, fantastic things with, yeah. with his him doing interviews. Um, and then you could also find like panels where they didn't go to Comic-Con, I believe it was. And Seth Rogen did. And he was like, but since they're not here, feel free to ask me any questions you want. (laughs) And then he proceeded to roast them too. Just fantastic stuff. Uh, they, they could have rode off into the sunset and then, you know, let us wonder how they did, but they had to come out here and incriminate themselves. Yeah. The fools. Cause apparently as soon as, you know, the season eight finished, they went in communicado from the internet. So it was probably be- the right decision because they knew they had to have known. Anyway, that's your well, and, TV news. and yes, and at some point, if if TV talkers ever does a, another Game of Thrones thing, I want to come on and just talk about it as an outsider because <laughs> I have watched so many analysis videos. Yeah, so I I am the most knowledgeable person about Game of Thrones who hasn't watched Game of Thrones. There's. Two things to that point, and we are really deviating, but that's kind of the fun of these holiday episodes. No one's in here to tell us to stay on topic. (laughs) Um, But two things on that. I remember I used to watch, I think it was the source-fed people before they 
broke up, but they would do like a weekly Game of Thrones review when the the episode came on. Yeah. But they always brought on a guy. His name was Will. I don't know his last name. They always brought on Will, who had never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, <laughs> to do what his supposed impression of the episode was. Yeah. And he just made stuff up, and it was great. But the other thing is, it'd be interesting to do this with uh, a TV show even. There's a fantastic podcast uh, and somewhere out there driving back to Winnipeg, my girlfriend is like slapping her face for me saying podcast. That's a running joke. That 30% of my uh, sentences these days start with I was listening to a podcast. But it's a fantastic podcast <laughs> called Missing Frames where people watch. Uh, the guy sits down and he gets people to watch classic movies that they have never watched before. Yeah. And they do an interview beforehand. That's like, oh, so, so what do you think The Terminator is about? Oh, okay. You know, and then they do a before and they do an after. Yeah. So you could see where they were and... I would love to do that about Game of Thrones one day. You know, just be like, hey, we're years after it. You probably heard that it was great. Then you probably heard that it was terrible at the end. You don't really know what's going on. Let's sit you down and make you watch like one or two of the of the key episodes or something like that. Yeah. That could be fun. Maybe we'll do that on some faraway episode of TV Talkers. If the missing frames, people yeah. haven't copyrighted that idea. You can, probably can't copyright an idea, right? I don't think so. No, you can't. Okay, so let's talk about a fandom that's not melting down. Uh, Fire Emblem had a huge update this week. By the way, I think your next name that sound, not yeah. to uh, get too ahead of myself, is going to be Fire Emblem characters. Oh because boy. it's just been a while for you and Matt, hasn't it? Yes, it has. So other than like Bernadetta going, ah! Yeah, I'd have Bernadetta right away. Exactly. I think all. I might be able to stump you on some of the other ones. So, well, I mean, it's like, there's probably two-thirds of that cast. I'd never heard their voice. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's probably what's going to be coming up next name that sound. It's going to be a little rusty episode of, uh, of Fire Emblem Three Houses. But oh Fire Emblem Three Houses had an update, I uh, believe, like in September. And they just had a more significant update now. And I think it's in March. Uh, they're going to have a bigger one where they introduce something called Abyss Mode, but no one really knows what it's about. But the update that came out like last week, I think it was Friday, doesn't really matter, was pretty significant. So first of all, I guess minor spoilers if you haven't played the game yet. Um, but if you're playing Crimson Flower, which is the Edelgard, pure Edelgard route, you now can have Yuritsa in the second okay. half of the game, uh, who is, of course, the as well as the Dark Knight, the Death Knight. Oh. So the death, he doesn't wear his mask, which is kind of unfortunate. I'm like, can I get the option to put the mask on, please? Yeah. That was really cool. Um, but he does join your party, and he's as badass as he should be, yeah. which is nice. He doesn't join underleveled. And then in every route, uh, starting in Chapter 3, you can recruit Anna. Okay. The, the, you know, she's yeah, been in every game. She's yeah. a shopkeeper, yeah. So she's just a very lucky, very charismatic, and very apparently crap at combat uh, thief that you can, <laughs> that you can get. The, in this update, there were no new classes and there were a couple new types of quests, but no, like, new main story things. Okay. It doesn't change stuff too much. So you'll have a couple new options for when you go into battle, like, on your weekly screen. Yeah. But for the most part, it's not that different. What it did add was a sauna. If you actually, I don't know if you ever did or if you even remember, but if you go out of your room, the professor's room, and then you can go up some stairs. There's a sauna there that was just never used. Oh, no, I never did that. So now you can actually use the sauna, and you might have thought this is pure fan service. I just want to have people in uh, bathing, bathing suits. suits. Yeah. They are covered up, so it's not pure fan service, but okay. it is partially fan service, <laughs> let's be honest. So you can pick a character, and you go in the sauna, and sort of like, I'm going to make the strangest reference of all time, 
Um, that's probably one that's better, but this is the one I can think of. But it's a mini game like uh, when you're a doctor in The Sims Medieval. God, I hope someone out there understands that. Where you either, like you start off at normal temperature. Yeah. And then you have an ideal temperature and you can't go above it or else you'll be too hot. Right. And you have five little actions. So you either increase the temperature by a little bit or by a lot. And you have to try and line yeah. it up so that in your, like the Professor Byleth's heat level this is yeah. so weird to talk about it loud the professor pilot's <laughs> heat level raises at a different rate than whoever you're with okay so you kind of have to get them as close to your little goal as possible and then if you can get one of them actually at the goal and quit then they get a bonus on pretty much everything they do for the for the next month oh, that's cool they feel super refreshed so training with them is more efficient uh all that jazz and of course you massive bonding points and all that yeah i don't know that i needed it but it's kind of cool and then the the big thing, which is also a, which is a small thing that means a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, is uh, they went way more in depth on character appearance customization. So now you can you have choices for both the academy, like when you're running around, how they look there, and when they're actually fighting. If you desperately like the way someone looks when they're in their academy uniform yeah. and you want them to fight like that instead of looking like their class, you have that option. Oh, okay. And if in the second half of the game, if you recall, whatever the canon class for those characters is, that was their uniform, yeah. right? So now that's not the case necessarily. You have, you do have still your standard. You can shuffle between making them look young again and making them be old in their uniform. But there's also servants and and there's like the weird basketball team uniform i don't know if you ever saw that that was in the previous update Um, but now there's a servant's uniform where they look like either a maid or a butler okay unusual and you can get that in both very japan um but it's totally covered maid or butler right so it's not again not total fans are it's a bit weird a bit japanese very japanese um but not scan not uh what's the word that Sakurai used when he didn't put someone in uh, Smash Bros. He said this game is for uh, little boys and girls. I think is what he said when they didn't yeah. put like a girl from uh, Dead I'm, or Alive. From Dead, not is from that? Dead or Alive, but uh-huh. they just released the new Smash Bros. character, and they didn't put a girl in because she was a little bit too provocatively dressed, and that's what Sakurai's quote. But but they put Bayonetta in there. Indeed. Has anyone <laughs> have, have any of them played Bayonetta? Maybe not. Either way, they didn't put this person in. That's basically what his quote was. He said, we want this game to be enjoyed by all the little boys and girls out there or something like that. So it's it's similar to that. They uh, The maids and butlers are dressed normally, covered yeah. up, fully covered head to toe, um, as they should be. So full of all little boys and girls can enjoy it. And you can either get that in just the regular black and white colors or in like whatever the person's custom colors are. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So Linhart likes green and Annette likes orange and so on and so forth. Yeah. You can also get them to be in a summer garb, which basically means they're in sort of a tan, uh, short sleeve uniform type thing, and they have like a little sword, like a little rapier thing by their side, because they're all nobles, right? Right. Or you can get them in evening garb, which is basically, regardless of what they look like normally, the adult fully clothed version of the uniform. Okay. So, and you can... Set that for every single character could be totally different. You could make them battle in like if unless they're I think the cavalry classes were excluded, but you could make them battle in there. You could make someone go and fight dressed as a maid. You know, even if they're a knight. Why not? Okay. Why not? It's such a small thing 
like it doesn't. Aff- I mean that, and it doesn't affect gameplay a lot. But yeah. I really, really dug it because there's some characters who I'm just like, you look so strange running around the the uh, academy oh, in like yeah. full armor. Yeah. So I'm happy with the change. I'm happy with the update. It gave me another reason to go back to Fire Emblem Three Houses. Not that I really needed it because I'm done, almost done three of the four houses, and I'm <laughs> two hundred hours in. Lord. My God, the people who have done like all four and under. 200 hours. I'm, I'm, I tip my hat to you. But we'll have to wait and see what the rest of the Fire Emblem Three Houses update is. Terry. Terry Bogard. That's the guy from uh, that they just added to there you go. Super Smash Bros. He's out today, and there have been many rumors about who the next Smash Bros. character is, but we don't know yet. But what we do know is that we are about to take a break. Oh my goodness, it's already 5.30. And it's already 5.30, but in the second half of the show, we are going to devote entirely to talking about... Uh, is it the Outer Worlds or just Outer Worlds? I think it's the Outer Worlds. It's like when someone says, oh, man, did you read Mice and Men? And then some other smart ass is like, do you mean of, of Mice and, and Men? Yeah. Yes. So we'll be back talking about the Outer Worlds <laughs> in about 30 seconds. We'll be right back. That's right. We are back. And... Uh, this is this is embarrassing. Okay, I have a confession. We made a mistake. In the previous segment, we made a mistake. Uh, and like Ron McLean, but not Don Cherry, I'm capable of admitting when I've made a mistake. <laughs> Oof. That's a... What's the word? Topical? Yes. That's a topical comment right there. Uh, I did forget probably the most important feature of the Fire Emblem Three Houses update, and that is you can pet and give gifts... To all the dogs and cats that run around the monastery. Oh, I apologize to everybody. That. Yes, and they do even have their own, uh, like, little names. And, you know, in the loading screens, it has top whatever. Yeah. So they also have their own top ten list for the most... <laughs> for the most uh, petted in, dogs. Yeah, for the most petted dogs. <laughs> this is... So I, I apologize. We, we, we got this in, um, so I have to make a retraction, and I forgot about the most important part. Um, so once again, I deeply, <laughs> sincerely apologize for getting about that. Now you know. So if you need another reason to go back to Fire Emblem Three Houses, you can now pet the dog, which is there we go, extremely important, and the cat because maybe you're a cat person and that's yeah. a okay. I don't think you can pet dogs or cats in the outer worlds. Um, no, I don't I, think there are dogs or cats in the outer worlds. Not directly. I don't remember seeing any. There is plenty of fauna, but yes. none of it is domesticated, <laughs> to my knowledge. Okay, so you finished the outer worlds. I'm about I have. fifteen hours in. Uh, Matt's not here, so we don't really have to worry about spoiling it for him. But Fallout fan, Fallout New Vegas diehard, what are your thoughts on the Outer Worlds? Oh, yeah. Wow, that yeah. is uh, so. It really soured on you over time. It, it really like. did, and it part of it was that, like, in many ways, it is a better game than New Vegas. And given how much time has passed between then and now, it it really ought to be. But all of the ways in which it is better are the things that you would sort of expect just by default to be better. Like, it's less buggy than New Vegas was. I think I only had a crash once. Hmm. Um, it's It looks nicer. The animation is smoother. The combat is more efficient. Like, all of those little quality of life things, The Outer Worlds does really, really well. But when it comes to sort of the the heart and soul of the Fallout experience, which is, you know, being dropped into this hostile 
in new environment and, you know, figuring out your place in it and shaping it uh, with your choices, it kind of falls flat on its face. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that made New Vegas so strong is that there is no good answer. There is no, like, you can do the right thing, and there's, a, there's sort of a morality system. But when it comes to the end of the game, it's essentially, like, it comes down to the Battle of Hoover Dam. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you have options. You can support the NCR, who are basically like the government. You can support uh, the factions of the Strip. You can support the slavery people in the, in the um, uh, Caesar's Legion, or Kaiser's Legion. Or you, and you can support Mr. House, who's the tyrannical overlord of New Vegas. Or you can say, sod them all and support yourself, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, there are four distinct ways to end the game. Mm-hmm. And none of them are great choices. Mm-hmm. And in the Outer Worlds, without spoiling exactly how the ending goes, there's basically two choices. You can support the board, mm. who you know are run this, like, not necessarily evil corporation, but massively corrupt and... If they're not evil, they're not far off. Well, yeah. But massively corrupt and, and ineffective and just... You find out by the end of the game just how screwed Halcyon is. Yeah. Um, or you can not support the board. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not a choice. Yeah. And the thing that the thing that really bugged me is that, and I guess mild spoilers, but you never get wrong-footed. Like, the whole time, the very first cutscene of the game is Phineas, the guy who unfreezes you, essentially giving a speech about how the board is crap because they've left you and all the other colonists out here to drift and die in space. And then, you know, he's kind of your guiding force throughout the game. And I was, like, the whole time, and of course he's a, a wanted criminal. Naturally. Um, but the whole time you're like, okay, so what's his real agenda? Like, I'm assuming he's been using me. Mm-hmm. Because that's how this, no. He's, he's exactly what he purports to be. And in fact, you don't get lied to at all. Ever. By anyone. Hmm. Like, not in any meaningful way. Everyone is, like, totally upfront about their motivations, and some, like, they have different priorities, but everybody is like, yeah, this is just it. So somebody will give you a quest, and you'll go and you'll talk. No, actually, that's not true. One person lies to you. Um, (laughs) One of the loyalty quests, somebody lies to you. Uh, But you go, but it's so shady that the game is like, oh, yeah, they're totally lying to you. And then you go and talk to the person that they were lying to you about, and they're like, oh, yeah, he was totally lying to you, and here's evidence. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I never had to make a moral decision except once, and even then I kind of, like, I worked my way around it. Yeah. It, it does seem... Now, I do want to talk about maybe more specific about the mechanics and stuff, too, but I'm coming into this as someone who wasn't the biggest Fallout fan, and not, like, to discredit Fallout. Great game just wasn't my cup of tea, so I was expecting to get a little bit more on the Mass Effect side of things. And it doesn't really scratch the Mass Effect itch. Like, it, it does ever so slightly in that you're traveling around. Yeah. But it's it's significantly more Fallout than Mass Effect. And in particular, it's got that that grungy, like, Firefly version of space, whereas Mass Effect is more yeah. like a Star Trek. You know, space is kind of clean. Uh, which is fine. It's just a, a you know, which it's way do you... It's an aesthetic choice, yeah. It's just an aesthetic choice. Do you like yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Do you like Alien, you know, which is yeah. a very lived-in type thing? Or do you like some sort of other space-based horror film? These are just examples. But it, it does feel very 
cynical, and it almost feels like, to your point there, you were the only human running around. Like, everyone else is sort of like a robot who's had these bored things drilled into their brain. And so when you're talking to them, and to be fair, a lot of the writing is excellent. Like, I just did Pavardi's Loyalty Mission. I think that had some of the best writing I've seen in a game all year, to be quite honest. But still, they feel like robots or they feel like characters game characters and your dialogue options to be fair feel very honest and human like a lot of times it seems like your character is sort of in on the joke of this place seems crazy yeah you know what i mean so like a lot of times you'll have a calm you'll have a chance to be like you really care about profits more than your people but you'll say really snarky and it'll sound like something the gamer behind the controller was thinking when they were doing this. So it seems yeah. like like you're maybe it's because you've been frozen for what is it, seventy years or something? Seventy like that? years, yeah. So maybe it's because you've been frozen for seventy years and you have a little bit more of humanity that hasn't been beaten out of you by the board. But it is interesting that it almost again I might try to actually one up my strange reference from earlier. If you've ever seen the movie The Invention of Lying. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's essentially that. Like you can go in there and you can lie. And you can persuade, and you can backstab, and you can do whatever you want to try and accomplish your goals. And people will just treat you sort of earnestly when you do it. Like, if you have you tried to steal something? Yeah. You get away with it, no problem. Yeah, it's very easy. You can steal something, and then it's a very low, low persuade option. You just, oh, I was just leaving. Like, you don't even have yeah. to come up with an excuse. Oh, yeah, no, I was just leaving. And you still have it. You don't have to give it whatever yeah. it was back. So if you want something, take it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So, I am enjoying it, to be fair. But I did find that very odd. It just felt, and I wasn't sure if that was specifically a Fallout thing. But if it's bothering you too, then I'm guessing the original Fallout's probably a little bit smoother than that. Yeah, uh, no, it's, in fact, I'd say they did a lot smoother. I, and I, it's, it's, yeah. The mechanics of it, the game, like the gameplay of the game, I had fun with. Um, but... Everything around it just gradually. I, I I kept expecting it to be to you know suddenly there to be a left hook coming at me mm-hmm. that I had to deal with, and just, there never it never came. Yeah, it does. I'll quote a reviewer. I don't remember which reviewer, so I apologize. But I'll quote a reviewer who was saying that they were hoping that Outer Worlds one to Outer Worlds two, because they've already talked about how they want to make a second one. Yeah. Would be a Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2 jump, which would be a pretty significant jump. Like yes. once they've had their proof of concept and they've established the world, yeah. and you don't have to re go over a lot of that world building, right? They already have this board thing going on. So that could be. Um, I thought the, like, the gunplay was fair. It didn't blow me away. Like yeah. I know that's not really it's what fine. you're here for. It's good enough. The, yeah. the companion control, again, was good enough. What I found, and again, this might be just a preference thing, I thought there was too much. Loot, and I know last week I talked about I don't want to pick up every bottle of shaving cream in a house. I feel like I'm not missing out, which is still true. But also, I just got too many guns, and they were all like, What's the difference between this one and that one? What's the difference between that one and this one? Yeah, well, this one seems to get me through these fights fine. Like, and I don't, you don't have enough sort of mini fights to really okay. Well, I've had like five battles with this gun, I really understand what it was, and then you get something and it's a big change. You just kept getting bombarded with. Now you have this gun. Now you have a revolver. Now you have yeah. a mag pistol. Now you have an auto shotgun. Now you have a sawed-off shotgun. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I do wish they'd streamline that a little. 
I, I would like to see that. Like the mods, the fact that you can mod almost any gun with a bunch of different ways, I really like that concept. But I, I wish they'd done something like there are eight guns. Yeah. And you'll, like, you pick them up once, and then all you ever pick up at that point are, you know, repair kits or mods or ways to improve them. Yeah. You do not need six assault rifles. Or if you're going to have... First of all, I agree. There should be way less guns. But also, I thought that they went into it a little bit. Like, I've got a couple science-based weapons, like the shrink ray, for example. Oh, yeah, the shrink ray. Which is a fun novelty if you have a high science skill and the fact that, you know, the effectiveness of a weapon is tied to something that isn't an offensive stat was also kind of interesting. Yes. But if you're going to be in this world where you're already going a little bit crazy... I would like to see them lean even more into that, almost like a ratchet and clank, where each gun that you pick up is wildly different. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like this gun shoots like potatoes or something <laughs> like that. Or, you know, this gun the runs off. The spud cannon. The spud cannon, exactly. <laughs> or this gun turns them into sheep. I'm literally just quoting other things from ratchet yeah. and clank. Um, because that's a great series that does this very well. Well, the one thing, before we keep dumping on it, um, one of the things I really did like was how they 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 definitely made an effort to be like you really can build your character any way and get through this. Like there were I had like I I barely put any points into my gunfighting and yet I still got by just fine. And there were a lot of cases where I was able to you know talk my way out of a fight or sneak around a fight. Like so, you, however you build your character, they give you options for that. And one of the things that like like that with when you have a science weapon, here is a weapon that uses a non-combat stat, yeah. which I really like. Um, so I, there are a lot of games that sort of purport to be like, oh, play it your way, put your stats wherever you want. But the main day-to-day uh, primary loop of the game is combat. Mm-hmm. So you have to put some points into that. And that was one of the best things about The Outer World is I never, pre- I never felt pressured to be like, oh, I got to raise my gun stat. Yes, I will agree with that. I did think either it wasn't for, and I I liked it too. Like a lot of the times, if I was in a situation, I'm like, well, you know, this person has a red reticule on them, so I could kill them. But there's probably a way to get around that. I just thought it was, and this is almost strange to say, it was a little bit too easy. And that's hypocritical of me because I'm the type of person where if it's if it's way too complicated to get around a fight, I'll just. I'll just mainline it and just have the fight. Yeah. But it seemed like every situation was just a relatively easy persuade. Like, let's go with the first one, right? The very first situation that you're in where you have, like, a tough sell. Okay? So I'll set it up for the people out there who might be listening if they're thinking of getting this game. First of all, I would say this is the type of thing you should support regardless. Yeah. Because it's probably multiple—it's probably has multiple playthroughs in it. Like, you can keep going back and forth. You can bring different people— you will get mileage out of this game, and the main gameplay loop is enjoyable. I've played far more of this game than I have in any Fallout. So if you aren't a huge Fallout fan, you're more of a Mass Effect person. I know I said it might not win you over, um, but it's certainly better than Andromeda was, I would say. Andromeda like hurt me at some times to be playing it because it was such yeah. a shadow of its former self. Whereas this is at least taking a stab in a new direction, and to me that needs to be supported. Yeah. Um, but in the first mission, you have... Basically, the representative of the board, who is sort of, he looks like a mafioso kind of guy, and then he's kind of kicked out of town, this girl, 
who is a gardener, and now she started a garden on the edge of town. And the main quest that you have to do is to go into the power plant and redirect power away from her garden back into the town, which will kill all of her plants. Yeah. And so then you have a, the option, like, well, are you going to do that? Are you going to send it back from the town to her settlement to give her even more power? Or but what do you want to do? Starve everyone in the town, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And doom everyone in the town, most of the whom are totally innocent. They're just stuck doing this town because this is their life. Yeah. So I assume you did the same thing that I did, whereas you convince her to go back to town. And you say to her, she's like, she says, I'm not going over, like, over my dead body. I'm going back yeah. to town. And you're like, well, what if I could convince the guy to leave? And then she's like, if you got him to leave, yeah, I'd go back. And it's so easy. Yeah. You know, like in Mass Effect, for example, there were some conversations, and I think there are other games that do this too. Mass Effect is one that pops off off the top of my head. Or The Witcher, I guess, would be another one. And that's coming up again. Bingo that's card. E- that's e- that I've got them both. That's <laughs> easy to access. Where in order to get to a point in a conversation, you have to pick multiple specific choices. Yes. Right? You have to say this, and then when they say that, you say this, and then that, and then the actual key to solving the problem is like four or five choices deep. Right? Yeah. In this one, you show up, and the mafioso guy's like, hey, you did me a favor. Thanks. And you're like, yep, but you should probably get out of town. And he's like, guess you're right. And he just leaves. Yeah. And that's it. I'm like, that shouldn't have been anywhere near that easy. I'm okay being someone who focuses on talking, and then... I have to cheese ball my way through that. I'm fine with that gameplay being in there. I'm happy that that gameplay is, is in there. But they made it in an effort to make it equally viable. I think they made it a little too viable. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think you'll have seen this yet because I don't think you're far enough in. But the one of the other things that bugged me about it was that all of the non-combat stuff was either too easy or too hard. Mm. Like, I... I had heard from a person that it's like, don't feel pressured to rush, like, getting 100 persuade right away, because a lot of the checks in the early game are very easy. So I'm like, okay, I'm spreading out my points. I want to be a little bit good at most things. Mm -hmm. And for a while, they were right. Like, persuade checks were, like, one or two for a while. You just had to have the skill. And then there was a, a couple 10s and 20s. And I, basically, since I'd started at 40, I was cool. And then all of a sudden... I was running to, like, 100, mm. and there was very little in the middle. Like, uh, my lock-picking skill had served me just fine for 80% of the game, and then it was lock... You had locks at 40, and then now are there locks at 90. Did, go, did you max level? Uh, I don't remember what the max level is. I think it's 30. I think I got to 30, so... Okay, because like, I'm wondering, yeah, where that splits up in yeah. the end game. It was, it was just very weird. Um... And yeah, so that part of it was very strange. I like a lot of the the things around there you can do. And originally I thought that the lockpicks and the the whatever the thing that you let you hack into stuff is called, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh the shunts or whatever they were. Yeah. Anyway, bypass shunts. Yeah, the bypass shunts. I thought they were scarce in the early game. I ended the game with like 300 of each. Jeez. Um so yeah. And, well, one of the things that I definitely learned sort of the hard way is there is nothing worth spending money on. <laughs> Shops so are true. pointless. So literally, when I, whenever I went to a shop, I would sell all my junk, step one. I would tab over to the quest items screen. If there was anything there, I would buy it. And then I would go over to the, uh, the, like, the miscellaneous category. I would buy all their weapon parts, 
all their armor parts so I could just repair my stuff, all their bypass shunts, and all their mag picks. And mm-hmm. that was it. And I never interacted with the shop any other way. Which is totally fair. I wish this uh, this game did prove... I do want to... We only have about 10 months left, so I do want to spend the majority of it being positive because I still do like this game. Um, but yeah, this this game sort of really slammed home the fact that I'm not a big fan of inventory, which is funny because, like I said, I think I said to you last week that I started playing The Witcher 3 again just to do my like yearly playthrough of it. Yeah. And I was reminded in both of them how much I hate inventory space. And it's just <laughs> like, because you picked up this feather, now you can't run. And it's like, ah. <laughs> And then you have to go through and sort it. I'm like, just, we're, it's already ridiculous that I can carry this much stuff. Yeah. What's a like? What's a little more ridiculousness that I can just carry all of the stuff that I find? You know what I mean? I don't mind having a uh, bag of holding for my characters in these types yeah. of things. I'm just not a big fan of the Tetris inventory puzzle. I like I like having it, if only because I'm the sort of person, and I've, I've advocated this in like Dungeons and Dragons, where my policy is: if you're designing an RPG like that. Every stat should matter to every character Mm -hmm. to some degree. And if you're not in like in the outer worlds, if you're not wielding heavy weapons, your strength is meaningless. So the if the only thing that means is I can carry less stuff, then I think that's an important change. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a way to balance it out where you just have like maybe you just pick up weapons and the weapons have weight or the but like small items don't have weight. Yeah. Well, like the Something way like I like the way Mass Effect did it, right? Your the guns you had had a carrying capacity. Yeah. Now in Mass Effect you didn't have a strength score, but you could do something with that. Yeah. I mean, for all the faults that Mass Effect 3 had, its weapon system and how it interacted with your powers ability was probably I, I thought that was great. The, yeah. It was one of the yeah. most elegant things that I've seen. Um it's right up there with Resident Evil 4's literal suitcase of equipment. And that's that's exactly... I was thinking about Resident Evil 4 when I was in the Tetris comment a minute ago, too. Because that's exactly the type of game where you should have it. Because it's part of the experience, you know? Yeah. You don't have a ship that you're constantly going back to. It's not set in the far future. It's not anything like this. It's you're stranded in a vaguely Spanish village where everyone <laughs> wants to kill you, and... Every inch of space in your pockets absolutely counts. Yeah. And so that's the one type of game where I'm in favor of it because it was a mechanic toward the game, whereas this type of thing, not particularly. But again, let's be positive here. The characters are interesting. They're fun to talk to. Um, the game is quite funny, yes. even if it's a very it, it, like dry black humor. It is quite funny. It's quite funny. The writing is solid. Your ship looks cool, and it's fun to run around with it. Um, it's a very, again, major points for them, even though it feels like it's echoing like a firefly or something like that, this feels like a very unique world to me. Yeah. It's almost like, I guess, Bioshock slash Fallout in space, but taken to the, even the next level. Like the fact that whoever you talk to, they feel corporately obliged to spout the their slogan at slogan you. At you is entertaining because you can kind of see like the souls being falling out of their eyes. Yeah. yeah. Or the uh, guy, I think it's on what Bridgewater or something like that. No, Bridgewater's a borough in Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, Edgewater. Edgewater. Where the guy has to have the moon on his head. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you could talk to that guy and you can have a conversation with him for several minutes and you'll be making like snide comment after snide comment yeah. and he tries to relate whatever you're saying into one of his products. Yeah. That was really well done. And I was. 
extremely pleased as a huge fan of dialogue. Again, I thought it was too easy to get what I wanted. Yeah. But I was really happy that every, pretty much every conversation had like six or seven dialogue options. It didn't just have two or three. Yeah. Even if it didn't feel like it made a ton of difference in the end, having my character talk pretty much precisely the way I wanted him to, rather than just, you know, Commander Shepard doing Good Shepherd, Bad Shepherd, or Middle Shepherd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I felt like I had way more option in, in the dialogue in this game. That's true. I definitely felt... I had that experience. There were a couple occasions that stood out to me as like, I don't want to say any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple of cases where the game tries to make... Like, the game tries to make a decision for you. Like, the one that stands out to me is when you're... And again, spoilers for the very early game. But when you're on, when you're talking to that lady in the garden, which mm-hmm. we were talking about, and you find out the secret of how she's been growing her plants. Soiling green. Yes, <laughs> essentially. And um, all, all of the dialogue options are essentially like, you, you only have the two extremes. It's either, oh, it's a great idea. Why didn't we think of that sooner? Or you're a horrible monster. Mm-hmm. And I'm going... Because what I like to do when I'm doing that is because I didn't turn on the option where you can see the options as they're talking. Mm. So I always like to, before I even look at the options, what do I, as a person, want to say to this? Mm. And then I look for the one that matches it the closest. Um, And my reaction to that was, well, yeah, that's pretty practical. Like, in in this environment, we don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, But there's nothing like that. Uh, and so, and there were, there were a couple other occasions where you kind of get boxed into the good corner for lack of a better term. And like, there's one, there's one really, really late in the game, um, where, and this was again, not to go back on the negative train, but this is a, a serious point where the game lost me, uh, where you have, you basically are talking to like the second in command of the, the major company. Mm hmm. And she asks you, and this is, I think this is where you're supposed to be like, this is the big decision of if you're going to swing board for the end game. Yeah. And she asks, and she goes, first of all, she asks you to bug uh, Phineas. And I'm like, okay, that's a reasonable thing to ask me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. And then you go talk to Phineas and he's like, you should totally do it, but we'll screw with them. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, I'm down with that. Um, and then you go back to her. And, uh, and for all she knows, you actually did bug him. And then she's like, okay, so you remember that town that you installed the gardener lady into? Uh, I need you to go and, uh, murder everyone there. Mm-hmm. Wipe the town off the map. And I'm sitting here going, there ain't no, like, nobody's gonna pick that. And there's, there's no, there's no dialogue way out of that. There weren't even an, there wasn't even an option that I like wasn't good enough to do there's just there was no way out of that other than to essentially say you know get bent yeah um and then she immediately draws a gun and you're forced to kill her Hmm. and of course the companions you have with you i'm pretty sure no matter which companions you brought they would both go nuh-uh yeah and like it was interesting to me when the companions disagreed but there there's like yeah we're just gonna i just like need you to you know amputate this limb of the company that's not serving us and i'm going ain't nobody gonna pick that yeah that i think 
even more than Mass Effect, I think that Dragon Age did a really good job of of forming the companions in such a way that they would disagree with each other and you pretty regularly. Like, I think, yeah. that, you know, for the most part, the Mass Effect companions were just like, you know, us good, Reapers bad, and then they occasionally had stuff that went in between. Yeah. But with Dragon Age, you know, you had... There a, was nuance there. there was yeah. A, yeah, there was a big gap sometimes yeah. between them. Some of them thought that mages were... One guy might think that mages were terrible, and then you brought a mage along with you, and then you get the entire... Yeah, that you know, was a lot of fun. That that stuff was really interesting. And so it's it's nice that they have a little bit of that in, in the game. Um, but yeah... I think that they, with the board, they leaned a little bit too in on making them comically evil. Yeah. Like, so over the top. Because I think you probably could have written the board in such a way where it was just like, this is not malicious. This is just capitalism taken to the nth degree. And the people who are doing that aren't inherently, like, the individuals aren't inherently evil. But the fact that they're a part of this corporation that yeah. makes them inherently evil. Yeah. But to me, you always lose it when you have some like mustache twirling villain at the, the Or even if you did want to do that, if you just had a few other like if you had a because there are a bunch of factions, right? There's yeah. a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of corporations and there's a few other ones. But even if it was just everyone agrees the board is crap and the board needs to go. But then what do we do? Like, how do you fill that power vacuum? Mm-hmm. Even if there was an interesting choice to be made there. That would have been something, but yeah. there isn't. Alas, we'll have to see if that comes in the sequel. So stay tuned. Yes. Also stay tuned to us on our Facebook page. Um, you can follow us and see what's going on there, facebook.com slash GameOverUMFM. If you want to check out The Outer Worlds, again, despite the fact that we just kind of ragged on it for a little bit, it is a very good game. It's a very well-made game. It's interesting, and in a world of just sequels and remakes and games with the year in the title, uh, it's very interesting to try something totally brand spanking new now one last warning before we go pick whatever stats you want at the beginning they never change (laughs) choose wisely there you go so with that in mind stay tuned and uh, we will see you guys next week